You know, it was a great, great podcast with Wayne Allen Root last week. I, I, I thought it was fantastic. He is such a great guy, and uh, we've become good friends, actually. And I'm going to be on a show uh, in the in near future to talk about Atheism Destroys. I'm happy about that, of course. Uh, what an insightful guy, huh? He was just uh, so thorough. He, he researches so deeply into the issues of the day, particularly when it came to the vaccine mandates and the effect of the, max, the vaccine and the nonsense of the spread of the shutdown of the virus for the shutdown purposes. What a, uh, what a treat to hear him and to see his mind work. Uh, what was interesting also, at, toward the end, you, you probably heard me speak about, because I, I want to understand why people were so willing to buy this crap, uh, even though it, it forced them to shut down their businesses. It told them to stay cloistered and home and, and everything else. Why would such a person want that? It's like, uh, you know, somebody says, okay, you're going to have to pay more in taxes. And, and they're so just so happy to pay more in taxes. Why would, why would someone be happy to do that? And we concluded, um, and I think correctly so, that it, it gave people meaning to do something, even though it compromised and restricted their own lives dramatically. It, it, it was somehow a moment of great meaning for them. They will always look back on this and say, boy, we, we sure, uh, you know, felt a crisis right there, but we did something about it. Yes, we did. We were, we were something. We were extraordinary. And uh, we can talk to our grandchildren about those glorious years in which we had to fight. Yes, sacrifice. But uh, we did this for you, grandkids as if you'll ever have grandkids, but that's another thing. God, God forbid that they have grandkids with, with their attitude as they have it now. Anyway, as you know, I'm, I'm always looking for meaning in these things. I, I don't want to just report the news. Um, Ari's with me today, and, and he, will, he and I will be talking a lot about this, but it's, I, I always try to find meaning and to understand why things are happening the way they are. So here's something that, uh, you know, I've been grappling with for so long. You know, my favorite movie, Ari, is for, for kids at least, when you're raising kids and encouraging them to see a movie that they might actually learn from. Um, and there are many such good movies, don't get me wrong. But my favorite one is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Now, many of you have seen this movie, uh, but the basic premise of it, I mean, why, why does Barack like this movie so much? Okay, the basic premise of it is Charlie, of course, gets the golden ticket. He goes into this... Uh, tour of the factory uh, of Willy Wonka, along with, what, six other kids or so. And as you know, they go through this factory, and there are different experimental things going on. And, and they're told, don't, don't, go, don't check this out. You know, please don't, don't be distracted. But sure enough, one by one, the other kids get distracted. This one by uh, chewing gum that, that the flavor lasts forever. And then, you know, his temptation is too great, and he goes off and tries it, and he just kind of disappears, right? There's another one that they're trying something with gravity, and somehow he disappears too. And on and on it goes until the only one left is Charlie. And Charlie ends up, and this is the point of the movie, he ends up with the keys to the kingdom, as it were. Right? Willy Wonka gives him the keys. And why? Charlie didn't do anything special. Did he? I mean, think about it. He, he did nothing special. He just stayed uh, on the straight and narrow of the factory. He, he didn't get distracted. And, and that's, in many ways, all you need to do to be successful in life these days. 
You mean kind of like those people who graduate from high school, don't do hard drugs, and get married before they have kids? Yeah, something like that, yeah. 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 Don't get involved in crime. Uh, it's kind of that basic, right? I mean, but isn't that wondrous, Ari? Isn't that a wonderful thing that, that just, just don't get involved in crime, you know, don't have kids until you get married, and then definitely have kids after you get married. You'll be okay. It's going to be just fine. Right and don't just don't do drugs, of course. Also, these are the distractions that I'm talking about, and yet, and yet now we are seeing distractions being thrown at us, right and left. Right, we are told that we are we don't know our own sexuality, we don't know our own gender. You know, you thought you had a penis and you were a boy, you thought you had a vagina and you were a girl, but no, you you have to second guess that altogether. Now the discussion in schools and everything else is is not about history or math for that matter. It's it's about whether you feel like a boy or a girl. You you've heard this time and time again. I, I know that all of our listeners know about this. But I found out from a good friend of ours. Her daughter is going to one of the elite private schools in the West L.A. area. And this lady told me today that this semester, her daughter's history will focus entirely on the history of drag queens. <laughs> finally. I, I was wondering when they were finally going to get to that. Okay, so no surprise about that. That's a great anecdote, and it's, I think it's emblematic of a lot of issues. That's the part of the distraction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, World War II, World War I, Civil War... The Roman Empire, Battle of Thermopylae. <laughs> no, no, no. Drag queens right, right. beyond La Cage au Fall. Right, right. So, and to the extent that there was uh, homosexuality during the, the Battle of Thermopylae, so much the better. You can talk about it then, right? So anyway, uh, these are great distractions and they're designed to be distractions. But it's as if, you know, contrary to what we talked about in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, it's the government now saying, yes, yes, by all means, get lost in these distractions that will cause you to lose your way and, and ultimately become losers in every way you can imagine and never have kids and never be able to have kids for that matter. And, and that's a good thing somehow. This is what they want to do. Uh, so it's no surprise that Ari bring, brings this up, and I have a similar anecdote to share with you. But you think to yourself, look, there's only 24 hours of the, in the day uh, to teach kids. And for that matter, I mean, what, it's supposed to be six hours in the day. Uh, and so if you're not, if you're only teaching them about drag queens and, and history and whether or not they're a boy or a girl, uh, at what, at what point do you actually learn about history? At what point do you learn about math and how to write in cursive or whatever it is that we value? Uh, and instead, they're demonizing everything that you previously learned, such as the value of hard work, the, the value of showing up on time, the value of, of making money for that matter, the value of inventing and creating um, and, and being honorable. The, these are now decried as Western uh, patriarchal values and even white. racist for that matter. White, white, values. white Yeah, white values. So these, these are now, so they're throwing these distractions. So contrary to what you as a parent might want for your kids, they're so distracted instead, and they're going. They're 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 going to get lost. My dad said when when you know I grew up in the seventies uh, and early eighties, and he uh, he he was noting the presence of the hippies out there and and other people like them, the hippies, but basically the hippies, how they were. What is the expression? Dropping in and dropping out, or whatever. Tuning in. Tuning turning in. Turning on and dropping out. Oh, there you go. Tuning in, turning on, and dropping out. And which meant that they were dropping out of society in particular. Uh, and, and he just said, you know what? So much the better for you, Barack. 
You know, as long as you don't do this nonsense, the world will, will be yours for the taking. And, and you know what? He was right. And I say the same thing to my kids now about this crazy transgender stuff and, and all the other claims of racism and everything. You know, it's not just the transgenderism that you get lost in. You get lost in the, uh, the, the perception that America is a racist country, that uh, white privilege, all that nonsense. All that, all that is a distraction that appeals to your sense of unfairness and laziness and everything else and, and pushing you away for the, the concept of merit-focused hard work. Right, and therefore you'll you, you won't even try, because the fix is always in, and you live in a horrible country. So somehow that that's appealing to teach kids. Now, uh, and and then they speak the language, and it's a great way of getting attention, especially for white girls who are, you know, don't otherwise have some sort of uh, diversity status. So. Here's a moment where you can feel like a victim too. Yeah. Join the club. Yeah, you can join the club. You can, you can feel just as victimized as, as your fellow black friend, uh, your fellow Hispanic friend, your fellow you know, gay friend for that matter. And here you go. You're off to the races. You feel like a, a, a non-binary person, whatever that means. And uh, you're, you're a victim too. It's awesome. And suddenly you, they, get, they, they have hijacked your kid's mind. They've taken your kid from you. Yeah. And the, and the question is, are you able to fight these distractions? To me, the answer is, of course, yes. You, and how? What, what are the weapons of fighting these distractions? Well, you know, I'm writing a new book about this, um, about how to fight, fight the uh, woke culture. But among them is laughing at it, I'm really having a good time laughing at it because it's, that's where success really lies in the fight, right? And the other is to understand that God's in charge of everything and God laughs at this as well. And God despises this sort of behavior. This, these are demonic uh, enterprises, a demonic approach to handling, uh, you know, his, his creation, God's creation. You're supposed to be, if you're born a boy, you're supposed to, be like a boy and do the things that are great, that, that are expected out of boys. And turn into a man. And turn into a man. Yes, exactly right. And likewise with a girl, you know, you're expected to, to nurture young, young babies and help them grow up to be great citizens as well. Yes. Yes, I went there. It's exactly where I, where I went. Well, then there's another side to it that they always leave out about real feminism. Yeah. You uh, nurture the children. You be a homemaker. You make your man feel like a man and all that. And then as women <clears throat> age, which is reality, they become the most powerful people in the family structure. They become the most influential. American politics has been run by women and clatches of women, the old coffee clatch thing, since the beginning of the country. Yeah. It has. Yeah. And the big lie is that women have no power when they have actually all the power. Oh, yeah, I, I think as, that's true. As we, real women. Yeah, we don't have to get to delve into it, and I agree with you 100%, but most of uh, feminism is not feminism. It's, it's masculinism. They're trying to be like men and, and only to discover how unhappy they are in the process. But well, again, I don't, I don't want... This, it's a distraction. Yes. Uh, I want to say one thing as far as the fight against distractions. I, I've been banning this term. This is the new Ariism, um, which is 
being addicted to reality. Understand? Mm -hmm. Drugs as an addiction is addiction to an unreality, mm. addiction to the distractions, you know, and they're addictive, you know, they're, whether it's bad food or food that's bad for you, you know, poor nutrition, sloth, you know, all the, the COVID lockdown stuff, right? Media, addiction to watching TV news, which is not reality, but linking into reality, real reality, and becoming totally addicted to it in a good way. Yeah. Go, go reality to the extreme. And I, I love that, Ari. And by the way, I, and I always, I, I always am so befuddled when people get into drugs and get into alcoholism and such like that, whatever it might be, even, even gambling to some extent. I think to myself, what, what there's not enough excitement in real life for right. you? Right. I mean, you, you can have yes. a great relationship with friends, a great relationship with the opposite sex, for that matter. Uh, you know, have good, intimate relations with, with one person, of course. Um, or and, several. Or, no, not several. I was about to say or several. Well, I to, to agree with them, but no, not with several. Uh, but, but, you know. Hey, there's, you do you, boo. <laughs> yeah. But there are movies. There's great music. I love music. I love music. And I love a great movie. I love mountain biking, as you know. I, I love discovering great food, right? I mean, and, and travel. I mean, it, there's not enough of that going around. You don't have to have a lot of money for these things, I, by the way. It's addicted to life. Yeah. Addicted to living your best life yeah. as it is in a good way. The one thing about your opening, I just want to toot my own horn. Do you remember all these years or over the years, we would talk about why are Jews liberal? And my thesis that I kind of settled on and still do is they have this unhealthy search for meaning where they actually want to bring about a Holocaust to be victims of it because they live lives devoid of actual Jewish meaning, and that's their only path. Oh, I see. It's, it's, it's like the abused child so, that only knows how to deal with uh, like an abused girl, for example. Yeah. And, and so you know, her father abused her, brothers abused her, whatever, and so she looks for a man who, in turn, will abuse her. She, she thinks abuse is love. Yeah. Similarly, it's as if Jews, because of this historical context of the... Life is so good in the modern age, this was a review of the thesis, that these Jews look at the Holocaust and go, Oh, I wish I had lives of meaning. When Bubby, who went through Auschwitz, would give anything to have not gone through Auschwitz, yeah. right? Yeah. But it's the exact same thing that we see in the COVID lockdown uh, mentality, the maskers, oh, the, you know, all that. Oh, my God, I get to be part of something greater than myself. It like, it's like Woodstock, Live Aid, and the Holocaust oh, is I one see. thing. I, 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 now have I, I see what you're saying, yeah. So you're saying that they find um, meaning in suffering only. And I, I think you're right. There's, there's something yeah, to that. And it's not just, it's, yes. it's, you know, I, I hesitate to make that a, a globalization about all Jews, but liberal I do, I do Jews. liberal Jews, of course. But I agree with you to some extent that um, Jews are definitely a people that seek meaning. We, we are the most religious people of all time, as it were, even those that are not going to synagogue. I mean, even those who are not observant. So well, it's, they're the most fanatical. Actually, yeah. Yeah. As we've seen the last right. few years. So, and this is, I, I want to give credit to Dennis Prager because he was the one that I heard this from. So, uh, he basically says, look, you know, that they, they're, they're constantly in the, in the mode of meaning. So if they can't find it in synagogue, as I think they should, like you and I do, and, and, uh, believing in God and, and, and trying to pursue God's ways, they, that, that, that itch to find meaning, they, they have to, you know, uh, it's a channel it somewhere. Right. So they channel it into environmentalism and all the other things we talked about. Anyway, I think you got a good point. It's about victimization. 
and and that's what we're and seeing. It's a distraction to the and that's point and that's where we're going. These are opportunities of victimization, and it appeals to our sense of laziness, our, 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 our slothness, as you say, and uh, a sense that the fix is in. Therefore, you don't actually have to work and to achieve anything great. Whereas great meaning and reality comes uh, when you uh, do seek the best out of yourself. It's um, it's a fog, isn't it? The, the, the pretense that you don't need to do anything and everything else is... A, it's, a, it's a form of a drug, just like my dad was saying about the hippie movement and now they're saying in, in the transgender and, and otherwise. And here's another part of the, the fog, um, the, the notion that everything is racist, right? There's a very funny song called Everything is Racist, which is uh, a, a spoof on that song, Everything is Awesome, from the Lego movie. It's very, very funny. And he goes into the whole details. But everything is racist. Everything should be viewed from the lens of racism. Uh, that's critical race theory, of course. Yeah, this new lensing of things. Yes, yeah, so everything is a lens. And uh, as a consequence, it, it, it's really a drug. Uh, it's, it's not only a distraction, but it's a drug. You, you can imbibe this racist theory, which is itself racist, and, uh, and live your life by that. And, and just say every, 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 everything is... Everything is explained by racism one way or the other. And that, you know, in the same way that, that Ari and I look to God as our north, northern uh, star, north star, uh, I'm losing words all of a sudden, uh, as our north star, and, and that's the guiding light. Okay, how shall I act? How would God want me to act? Their northern star is racism. Everything is can be explained that way one way or the other. So when you talk to somebody, one of these progressives, and you say anything, uh, you say, uh, I like the movie Back to the Future. I don't know why I came up with that. I like, okay, and they say, okay, well, that's because... black people in it, except for the guy running for mayor. (laughs) That's right. That's because you're racist. You like that movie because you're racist. And I don't quite know why it makes you racist, but I'll figure it out. And and he's gotten this whole way of interpreting everything uh, under the... The solar system of racism. Oh, it's it's, it's awesome. It's just awesome. cousin was in it, the musician Marvin, yes. remember? So there's a black musician, but it was disproportionate. And then um, uh, Marty McFly was celebrated as like a modern-day, you know, Christ-like figure of Eddie Van Halen, right. which is, of course, blue-eyed, blonde-haired, White Jesus, not Semitic, yeah, actual yeah. rep. You know, I could. Yeah, you I want to find the racism no, no. in Back to the Future? I'll give you a. Thesis okay, but on we're that. not. We're not. No, I'm not. That's a distraction. That's why the title of this podcast is not. It's not why Back to the Future is racist. Right. <laughs> so, uh, exactly to the point. So we 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 are not. You know, they they see everything that in that direction. They they see it with that rubric that that. The, the, but it, but it's it's so tempting, isn't it? It's just like the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, but the great news is how easy it is not to do that, not to get distracted. And that's our challenge as parents and as friends of uh, of people who have kids is to to laugh and to to show these distractions exactly the way they are. Okay, so now look one one more thing. Uh, you know, fairly big topic I, I want to discuss. Which is this new, and I guess it's related, Ari, this new approach to uh, looking at society's problems and dealing with them only with one solution. And we, we had a podcast slightly like this, which is, you know, they always have the solution, right? That was the podcast. But this is a little different. I want to I analyze 
how they, they ignore the actual solutions. Okay, so example, I'll, I'll give it like... And I think this relates to your old example about the light where you dropped your keys and they're looking yeah. in the light. Yes. Well, the only solution could be here. Yeah. Why? Because that's where the light is. Yes. They're basically doing that in some ways too. In some ways, but that would, that would make it seem as though uh, they're just being lazy. They're, they're looking for where the problem is. And in this case, I think they purposefully twist the solution. So the best example I give, and then I'm going to give some others, and then you know, once I'm done with that, may please chime in, Ari. Uh, the homeless, okay? People, people love using that phrase. I call them bums, Okay. Um, that's the old, the, the old adage that, uh, you would have, um, but homeless. So, but why homeless? How do you know that they're homeless? First of all, right. How, how do you know? That tent looks like a home. <laughs> really looks like a home, home to me. No, but no, I'm saying, but the, the guy that you see in the street at the intersection is saying, yeah. and he says he's homeless or whatever, but that's the new appellation, but you don't know that he's homeless, but they've decided he's homeless. And, and maybe a lot of them are homeless. I, I grant you that, but but they don't like generalizations. So why would you say that? How do you know that he's homeless? That's quite a stretch, isn't it? I know that's stereotyping. Uh, stereotyping. So, but what I what I find so fascinating about the word homeless is that they they managed to define what the problem is and also the solution by describing that person as homeless. Right? What's his problem? He doesn't have a home. What's the solution to it? Give him a home. Right? Problem solved, yeah. right? Global warming. Oh, wait, 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 hold, hold on. Hold on. Yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll go through some examples, right. and then and then feel yeah. feel free to add in some more. Yeah. So another another one is, uh, you know, all this um, Islamophobia, uh, homophobia, transphobia. Right? The word phobia is in there. Right? So again, they they decided what the problem is. The problem is that you have a fear, a phobia, of Muslims, of gays, of uh, transgendered, right? That's your fear. That's your problem, man. Um, and the solution is to get over your fear, right? That, that's the issue. It's, go to oh, therapy. Yeah. It's like go to therapy. Uh, and, and then, yes, uh, global warming, of course. Uh, the, 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 the problem is that the, the world is, is warming, which is a problem because that's, it's not actually true. And their solution is that it's man-made, and therefore the man must undo it, right? Uh, but these are there's also quite a few others I had on mine. I wish I could remember off the top of my head, but but there are more. And and feel free to chime in, uh, Ari, if you like. But okay, oh, well, oh here, that's no. what is everything related to COVID. Yes. They have two two solutions: a mask and a vaccine, right? And those were the only solutions. The safest place to be in a viral outbreak, we've discussed this ad nauseum, is on a sunny day at the beach. And suddenly, you couldn't go to the beach on a sunny day. If you did, you had to wear a mask and be vaccinated, yeah. right? And Robert uh, Malone talks about how part and parcel of mass formation psychoses requires only single solutions. Right. So that all salutive thought has to be funneled to this one Touchstone, and, right. and the mass has to be focused on it. That way, anyone who disagrees with that gets demonized. Yes. Okay. I think that's it. good. I'm glad you brought up that point that there's only one solution. Always only one solution. There's not a. It's not a cocktail solution. Like for example, I mean, I, you know, you think about the AIDS response. You know, they didn't. They finally came up with a solution that worked, which was a cocktail of different kinds of combinations, things, and that kind of 
placed AIDS on his on. God, um, I just saw the worst joke. Well, don't don't say it. Then. I have to. No, no, you will not. Anyway, so because it's always dangerous with him. It just involves. Part no, of I don't want to hear it at all. I'm gonna over. I'm gonna talk over you, man. Uh, you're he's, he's, he, well, you're disgusting. So, <laughs> so thank you, thank you. That's I'm here best, all week. Yes, that is the best part of the Barack Lurie podcast for the last ten years. You finally said something really, really, really good. Well, you, here, you, here, really, here. you really motivated here, me by disgusting. you motivated me by talking awesome. about reality. So I, I wanted to make sure. Work, mic drop. I'm at it. All right, all right. He's he's very happy with himself. Anyway, so I did I did remember now about the the. The big muscle ball, which is, you know, the solution, right? We talked about this before. So the problem of, you know, sadly, the black uh, community has a far greater uh, disproportionate amount of um, uh, young men, especially in jail, uh, and committing crimes. Uh, so, the, you know, they, they, the, the solution, uh, they, they obviously, is because of racism, right? It's, right. It's, so let them out of jail. Let them out. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's true, too. Yeah. <laughs> So that's, that's a tactic uh, of actually responding to it. But the problem is racism has led them to commit more crime somehow. Oh, and by the way, the, your, your idea of crime is, is a white interpretation anyway. So, you know, don't even think about it. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah this is the lens with yeah, that's right. Use. You call it crime, we call it, uh, what is it? Um, Retribution. Uh, retributions, exactly. Yeah, equity. Equity, yeah. yeah. So uh, like that old commercial from uh, that lady, you call it corn, we call it maize. <laughs> right. right. So anyway. And I, how. I, anyway, so, so racism, it, it, everything is racism. We know the, the real reason is not because of racism, but because of fatherlessness. And the fatherlessness that was encouraged um, throughout the Democrat Party uh, through welfare and all sorts of incentives that actually broke up the black family. And surprise, surprise, we now know that uh, fatherlessness is the key reason why so many young men are in jail, especially men, and uh, both white and black. Uh, it, it's nothing to do with the skin color. Uh, the, the, I think it's like 98% of prison inmates, especially a violent crime, uh, and grew up without a father, whether they were white or black. Or Latino. Or, or anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it. So, and what happened at the end of the day is they gravitated toward some gang member, uh, a leader of a gang, and, and who they turned to as a father figure, and they, they needed some sort of role. Uh, and that's the main reason. But no, 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 no. It's, it, it's, to their mind, it's racism. And that's what CRT was all about, right? So critical race theory really kind of... Uh, Took, took hold after the, this is their, their talking points. I'm not saying I agree with them, by the way. But after uh, Brown versus Board of Education, what happened was that uh, they felt, okay, well, we've desegregated the schools and uh, problem solved and there's not going to be any more racism. Well, uh, there was still racism going on and, and the black family did not immediately escalate to the same levels as the typical white family. And therefore, there must be some other explanation for the continuing, continuing racism going on. Uh, and that's where CRT sort of took off. And with the idea that the reason why is it's endemic to society itself, a systemic racism, uh, as you've heard that phrase so often. And here we are. And so we got to fix it. We got we to gotta fix it from the, the ground up. Uh, three years old, four years old, start talking about that and making white kids feel bad about being white and white privilege and all that crap. And uh, we got to reconnoiter everything, right? Uh, so that's, that's how it all turned out. Now, we know that that's 
that there's also an alternative history, which is an accurate history, to use Ari's phrase. There's a reality going on out there, and reality is very important to look at. Um, the reality is that the black family was actually uh, growing in leaps and bounds in a positive way uh, throughout the 40s and 50s. I mean, amazing things were happening. And after Brown versus Board of Education, it got even better uh, to the point that by the early 60s, uh, the black family was actually more intact than the white family, so the typical white family was. Yeah, yeah, and so Linda Johnson had to do something. Right, we'll get there. But uh, everything was, was going great, so to speak. Um, but then Lyndon Johnson, because they, for whatever reason, uh, and we don't need to drill down on that. Actually, it's a very simple reason. Because he's a racist. <laughs> and, and it was, it, well, they also needed the votes. It, they, no, no, they, no. They, In his statements... He, they designed this system to destroy the black family. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised, and I they think that's because they should know better that by by handing out handouts all this time to one particular group of people, i.e., the blacks, uh, and knowing what that that doesn't work, and knowing that other groups didn't have handouts and they succeeded, uh, then you know it's, the, it's 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 like hold on, it's it's like. Um, you know, when you have these drug trials, right, and you, you, you know that the drug is doing well, you know, you immediately want to, you know, release it to the public because it's such an important drug to stop whatever, Alzheimer's, stop uh, lupus or, you know, whatever your drug uh, affliction might be. And, and likewise, if you see a, a drug that's not working, you, you immediately stop the, the presses. You, you say, no, these clinical trials are proving that this is a bad Drug, it's not working you well, say and you stop. Vaccine. Well, yeah. okay, that too. Yes, I suppose so. But anyway, likewise. So, so you try this welfare business on one group of people, with emphasis on one group of people, and clearly it's not working. You would you would never encourage it for your own kids, and yet you continue to double down, triple down, quadruple down on this welfare nonsense, and you you think that's going to work now after fifty five years or so. Yeah, with with a very important caveat. You get the money or you get more money if there's no father in the home. Yeah, well, that's that's true. Well, that was how they incentivized people not to get married in the first place. So mm-hmm. anyway, point point is that it's not about racism. It's about fatherlessness. It's about breaking up the family, right, at the end of the day. and uh, But you could talk about fatherlessness all day long. They, they won't listen. Why? Because... Fatherlessness is too hard to uh, inject as as a solution. Well, meaning, meaning to get a father, it's 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 too it's too hard to inject that as the reason as to why. Because it means that you have to encourage families to get together, to be responsible. Uh, that's not that's not a great talking point. Also, it destro- there's several problems with it for our political adversaries. There's no government money to grift on. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's no program. Yeah. You know, you have to split them apart for us to have these welfare programs. And don't think for a second that school-to-prison pipeline isn't incredibly profitable for the powers that be yeah. in every aspect. Yeah. Law enforcement loves it. Politicians love it. Prosecutors love it. Defense lawyers love it. It's a daisy chain of work for Well, I, I, I don't know about that, Ari. But what, what I will agree with you about is that when you create this sort of chaos... Uh, it, it does undermine the fabric of society, which is something we know that the Democrats want to advance. Yes. They, it, it helps them maintain a power because they are 
the, the rectifiers of all uh, bad things in society. Uh, if there's racism afoot, uh, you're, you're not making, you'll fix it. If, if you have, um, uh, you're not making enough money at your job, we'll fix it. Yeah, and look how look at the distractive part of it. Okay, media nightly gets to report the if it bleeds it leads crime report yeah. to lead off the eleven o'clock news just before you are trying to go to sleep. So they can flood you with anxiety and distract you from your own life. Yeah. Right. Okay. All, all so right. I, I get there's that. So much to it that fits your distraction thesis. And all these other things in the make work of government project business. Yeah, you know one of the things I—it's I, kind of related to what you just said, Ari. I—I I took note. I always try to see patterns and uh, uh, certain correlations, and not necessarily causations, but correlations. One, one of the things I've noticed among my Christian—you know, deeply Christian friends and deep Jewish friends, you know, like the Orthodox Jews—none um, of them. To a man or to a woman, not one of them who is devout, let's put it that way, is interested in horror films, slasher films. Not one. Now, you might say, how, how does this relate to anything you're saying, Brooke? You know, just what, what the heck is this all about? I'll tell you. Because slasher films involve chaos and fear and anxiety. And that's not what resonates to us. We, do, we don't want that. We, we feel like there's enough uh, of that going around in the world. We don't need to have it again. It's like me seeing uh, movies about trials all day long. I, I, I'm, I'm a lawyer. I, I, I see enough of that. Thank you very much. You know, I'll go see My Cousin Vinny and then Legal Eagles. Well, now that was. Now, my Cousin Vinny was one of the best movies ever made. <laughs> I got to tell you, I, I, I love that movie. By the way, it's it's of all the legal movies I've seen, that, that movie, accurate. it's the most accurate. <laughs> it, really, it really is. There's nothing wrong in that movie from a legal point of view. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I can't say about the, you know, the tires and the engines and all that stuff, but it was hysterical, but it was actually very good. Anyway, the point is, I'd, I'd, I'm not interested in seeing well, that. It, well, hold on. All right, all right, all right. Just, just a second. Movies. Just a second. I, I, I want to move on to different topics. I want to ask no, I know, I know. Um, Talk about distractions. I mean, Ari is the ultimate distraction. It's not that he has these just beautiful blue eyes that, you know, is so piercing. They're turquoise. <laughs> turquoise, okay. All you right. I'm very comfortable in my heterosexuality. You really don't look at me, do you? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You don't, you don't send me flowers anymore, so I have to say this now, right? Anyway, the point is, <laughs> I'm really distracted. <laughs> no, I'm kidding around. So, it, but it's like me having to see legal movies all day, day in and day out. I'm just not interested in that. And and there's something about horror movies. Those who do see horror movies, I'd love to, you know, do a poll. Uh, you know, because uh, obviously what I'm talking about is more anecdotal, right? In my own experience. But if I took a poll of everyone who came out of a slasher movie and said, "Sir, you know, can you please ask me a question?" I'd ask the basic questions like, "What's your graduating level? You know, uh, education level." Uh, are you married or are you not? And then I would finally say, uh, what's your status on, on God? You know, are you an observer? Are you just spiritual? What, what's the deal? And my guess is at most you would say some people think that there might be a God, but, you know, it's not really important to them. And without being necessarily an avowed atheist, they would be less and less, uh, they, would, they would not be so keyed up on, on God. And I think I'm bringing this all back now. I think there's something akin to that same thing that we're talking about, distractions and everything else. Um, we, 
we don't, we, we, the faithful, we, the, that have God deeply in our lives, we, it, he's the Northern star, isn't he? We, we, we want to see all of our movies that we see for that matter. We want movies that resonate with messages that God might want, right? And messages about human nature, but not messages that reveal the ugly side of nature that they, they, there's a, that's not surmounted by a good nature, for example, right? So like movies that I love, uh, Lawrence of Arabia is one of my favorite movies of all time, right? It's, a, it's about the hubris of a man and how he, his arrogance caught up with him and, uh, you know, that just who thought he was a god of, of sorts, right? Uh, I love Back to the Future because it's about, ta- you know, how you have you know, control of your own destiny, right? And it's about racism. <laughs> and racism, no. Uh, apparently not. So, but, but, but these, are, these are important movies, right? I mean, it's... Um, and, well, and, and they're, they're not just, they're, they're not they just stories of slashing and, and, and gory, gory eyes getting cut out and things like that. It's, it's a, right, there you go. It's about asking questions and what does it mean to be a man? What, what does it mean to be a, what does it mean to be a hero? Um, these are important questions that, I mean, Saving Private Ryan, for example, great movie, right? And, you know, a movie about the importance of life that, that didn't make sense mathematically, logically, to chase after one, one man and save his life, but it was for the sake of something greater, right? And that's what made us different than the Nazis. Well, that's why I want to Nazis. ask you this question. I believe you're referring to slasher movies, sort of pop, pulpy. Right. Basic gore movies. Yeah, like like There's it, uh, like 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 uh, Freddy Krueger right, and Friday the Thirteenth, and but there are a lot of horror movies or scary movies, if you will, that ask very deep questions about the nature of reality. For instance, the the movie The Ring to me really asks very interesting questions about the nature of the bridge between our reality and the other world. Okay, right? okay, I get and that. You, and The Shining is also a good Shining one. Shining asks the same very, very interesting ways of asking questions about that. Right. Now, we've talked about astrology before, and you said something about astrology that I could suppose you'd apply here, which is when you discuss or examine things like that, you could be asking yourselves questions about alternative mythologies that are in contradiction to our belief in God. But in the case of movies where you're looking for an entertainment value and asking questions, I think there's some interesting room there that some of these horror movies that are classified as horror movies that are not slasher movies examine. The Others uh, is one of them, Skeleton Key and, and um, The Ring are three that I think do. Okay, so, I, okay. I, I buy that. I'm, I'm not saying that there's no room for it. Uh, and there's some intelligent, scary movies. I, Jaws was a scary movie. I, yeah. I love that movie. But Jaws was not about uh, a shark. It was, no, it was the, about a man's quest. It's right. it's the Odyssey, basically. Right. You know, it's it's or uh, it's thesis against the Minotaur. If right. You go to there, there's the, a lot of yeah. There's a lot. Aliens, for example, one of my favorite movies. You could say you know was was you know really appealed to the gore and the scary. But but in fact, it was really about uh, about conquering one's own nature, conquering fear. Um, the aliens were just props uh, that brought out the, the various aspects of human nature that, that could be studied. So I, I like that a lot. Um, I love Star Trek. Star Trek, the, the original Star Trek, and many of the movies 
were so meaningful. Um, I still quote them today because they're great stories, yeah, even though Wrath they're not of movies. Khan, for instance, Wrath is, of Khan. is Moby Dick, right? Yeah, it's Moby Dick, but also, again, about obsession, and which in, Moby Dick is about as well. But uh, again, exploring human nature and, and distractions that in and of themselves, right? The, the Khan character, and for that matter, the Ahab character in Moby Dick, uh, they are obsessed with this whale. Yeah, they uh, both get distracted from it. Ahab, get... Ahab has all the, the whales he wants, all the oil he needs on his boat, okay? Right. And it's based on the story of the Essex, which actually happened. They had to load it. They dumped the oil to get the oil from this, uh, this one whale that was unconquerable. In the case of um, Khan... There's a scene where Khan's assistant says, we have a ship, we have the means to go where we wish, we have freedom, yeah. let's go. Yeah. No, no, Khan says, I want that one. I know, exactly you right. Know, same thing, they, exactly they give right. up everything they had because of the obsession, the, the distraction that the obsession led to. Well said, well said. I, I, it's a beautiful uh, bringing about everything together as well. I, I, I agree with that, 100%. We are looking at times where the distractions are consuming us, just like, uh, you know, like the, Biden the con the other day, hold on, hold on, hold on, like con, like Ahab, like so many other things, people want to get obsessed by other things, but they, they, and Trump in many ways is like the whale, uh, for a lot of Democrats, they, they are obsessed with destroying him. Right. Yeah. Just, wow. Isn't that an amazing coincidence? I mean, not coincidence, but like an epiphany, um, Trump is for many, the the Ahab the no, the, the, Moby the, Dick. the Moby Dick right yeah uh, the uh, and the, the Captain Kirk as it were for these people they want to destroy uh, Trump in the same way that Ahab wanted to destroy uh, the whale and Khan wanted to destroy Kirk right. yeah. uh, to show him the pain that he suffered or whatever it was uh, it's very weird and and they get consumed by it to the at their own peril and their own destruction at the end of the day. And we're seeing these people get lost in, in yet another thing. So anyway, well, there's, my, my, there's my, one other aspect really quick yeah, that really I quick. think is fascinating. In the case of Trump, didn't they get Moby Dick? <laughs> didn't they catch him? Isn't it over? But look, even in, if you will, colloquially, political death, Trump's career being over as yeah. president, they still can't let it go. <laughs> To their detriment, because okay. it will cause Trump to rise again. As, uh, of as, course, all right. Yeah, again, I mean, look, I, we can delve down into that really, really deeply, yeah, but, but that's, that's how deeply. That's not where I want to go. That's you know? that's not where I want to go. The the point is that these people, if, if Khan or Moby Dick or any of these lefties that we're talking about, had a sense that the God was in charge of everything, that that we needed to to do God's will. And, and discover whatever God's will is. I mean, you know, who knows what God's will is, but at least try to seek out God's will. We wouldn't have 98% of these distractions. I'll give you another example of, I used to work for a man, um, I was his general counsel for two years. I, I don't want to just name his name. He, he's a famous man. Um, uh, you know, there was some very interesting, intriguing Bill things about Gates. him. <laughs> no, it's not Bill Gates. Uh, anyway, the point is that he was a billionaire. Uh, very successful from a business point of view. And yeah, I could not stop thinking about like, this guy has more than enough money, obviously by definition, <laughs> to cross the billionaire mark. You're, you're, you're good to go, buddy. Uh, and he was so 
consumed with depression and it was distracted all the time and can, couldn't seem to focus. And he was constantly searching out people to, to like him, to love him, to be uh, considered an important man. And all of us, and there was one guy who was working with us. He was also an attorney there. He was actually ended up becoming a rabbi, but he was already deeply religious back then. And both of us scratched our heads and just thought, well, why? why? Why is he so consumed by this? I mean, we, we, it's not that we envied his wealth. We, we respected his wealth. But, you know, wealth can also be a great distraction. At some point, it becomes so overconsuming that you can't possibly really focus on anything that's important. And, and you see this among the, the, um, the Orthodox Jews, the very religious Jews who are truly devout. And, you know, they don't necessarily live a, a rich life. They live an okay life, a, a comfortable life. But are they happy? Yeah. Yeah, you bet. Because they know that, that God is something that, that is, God is the, the center of their lives. God is their northern star. God gives them the meaning. They don't have to get distracted. Distractions are exactly that. They have their northern star and they indeed will get the keys to the kingdom. Whatever that means, whatever it means. All right, folks, thanks so much for listening today. This has been a really uh, meaningful one. I love the Ahab comment. Uh, All right, that was really clever. Um, In the meantime, Brock Larry signing off, saying God bless, and we'll talk with you next week.